podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that loves victories in lonely Bill Leckie weather. This week on Heart and Hand, Jones, Jack, Jermaine, just perfect. <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host as always. And joining me this week are, first of all, a very experienced campaigner, Mr. Cameron and James Bell. David, how are you, my friend? I'm very good, Cammy. I dare say that someone working in the East Coast such as yourself is probably a little bit better than me today, right enough. Well, it does seem that very many of my uh, Hibs acquaintances have decided not to uh, come near me to talk about the match. <laughs> Off the grid, so to speak. Correct. Uh, understandably and joining us today uh making his debut on the flagship but a regular on our patreon site is also finest himself mr david graham hello david welcome to the big show good afternoon overlord good afternoon cameron how are we all um we're not bad considering um what looked like a tricky fixture on thursday night was put to bed rather spectacularly and then rangers continued it with a 6-1 demolition of hibs at ibrox yesterday cami this is the rangers that we steven gerrard everyone wants to see it was fluid some of the football was was genuinely outstanding the passages of play and it just it was a spanking it was and um Many times on uh, previous pods, one of the, the, the key words I wanted this Rangers team to exude was a degree of ruthlessness, and that, for me, is what we've seen. Um, and obviously, we'll go into the game in some detail, etc., but we uh, we did not drop a gear, um, other than maybe for a quick 10-minute spell, uh, but our attitude was absolutely top-notch um, on both last Thursday, uh, and even more so on Sunday as well. Um, and again, as, we'll, as I'm sure we'll come on to, it's great to see that through the squad. You're not talking about the same 11 that played in both games, therefore had the same mentality. You're starting to see that now reverberate around players who uh, will come in and take their chances. I think that was probably a, a key thing for me, David, that, that really made me happy yesterday was we did make changes and didn't miss a beat from Thursday night, uh, obviously you still need your core players, but when you're bringing in it's it's so different when you're bringing in guys like Defoe, Stephen Davis into the side, uh, Ojo that you're not having a massive step down in quality which is remarkable when you think that you can put Alfredo Morelos on the bench and sit, still say that well, <laughs> I think it's only let's be honest, it's only a few months ago where we had that debacle in Hamden where you know, we basically didn't have a striker and then we threw on the, the now infamous uh, Umar Sadiq. And I think now, obviously, there has been progression, albeit slow, since, you know, we returned um, under Mark Warburton. And you can now clearly see that, you know, go, gone from the days of our first choice 11, none of our first choice 11, even, you know, two seasons ago, bar Tav, obviously, would, would get in our squad. So it shows you two things, that we have a strong starting 11, but even more importantly, we actually have a strong second 11. Now, none of us are getting carried away, but even when they went uh, drew, drew a goal back, we all were sensing, and all the guys I was around uh, were saying, look, Jared will give them a rollicking at half time and we'll come out. Whilst you know, even a year ago, certainly 18 months ago, if we were going in at half time, 2 1 up against the like of Hibs, we probably, in all honesty, were fearing that either 
but they'd make a goal and it would go to all, or even worse, we would totally uh, capitulate. So look, there's a lot of things that we should be very proud of. It's two games in, we're not going to carry it away, but it's been a bloody good start. It really has, and I think the manner of the victories, Cameron, because not only, you know, Hibs were a team that I thought were due a cuffing off us because there were at least two fixtures last year where I thought, I can't believe we haven't won that game and won it by plenty. Um, but then Kilmarnock sitting in and we, we flipped the script as we talked about last week on on the show. It's it's good to be overcoming challenges that, as David says, previously we just couldn't. Well, speaking of what David says, I think the only thing that's going to be wetter than the pitch from Ibrox on Sunday will be the girls listening to David's wonderful accent because, you know... He, not just really the girls, good. Cammy. Not just well, the girls. He's, he's, he's put us all at a disservice. I mean, Jesus, you could listen to the guy read the phone put, book. Yeah, that, that's why I got you on rather than Martin. Yeah, can, yeah. can you imagine? You oh, know, I'd have I'd sound, sounded shabbier than than you know Michael Stewart's opinions if if I'd brought those two on. Uh, so, don't be so hard on yourself, David. Michael. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I'm the best of all worlds, David, because I've got the whole Northern Irish thing in me, but I don't have your kind of mental religiosity. That's so right. you know, that, it's a bit of best. Although you know, it's the I mean, best people, of British. You'd even say, exactly. yes. People, People have long said, you know, what we need is some hardcore Protestants on the show because we've only got types of soft types like me and Cammy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've brought David into the free, but no, all, all joking aside, um, it was just splendid, Cammy. And, and it is about, right, that was a challenge for us last year. Um, now we can go on and, and, you know, overcome them. And David touched on that nervousness that went around the stadium at 2-1. That is us, because I watched the game back and had to create one chance at 2-1. And it, you know, if it goes in, who knows? I still think we win the game because the players are better than their players. And I think, though, that it, you have to overcome these challenges in order to relax the fans because it's just because we've been kicked in the nuts so often that we assume a kick in the nuts is coming. The only way to restore that, if you like, trust and belief is overcoming the, the, the challenges. And the more it happens, then the more the fans will relax and go, I don't worry about it, we're going to, you know, we'll go on and win, we always do. Which was kind of what we had in the 90s. I was going to say, it, it goes back to some of those those awesome nine-in-a-row teams where even if you decided to give the opposition a one-goal head start, you knew you were going to win the game regardless. Um, the confidence is definitely starting I'm not going to say coming back because this team hasn't had it. David obviously just touched on, you know, the 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 transition of the team that's that's come up under Warburton and the progression of that, and obviously the people who who are still involved within the squad from even from back in that period. Um, but there's a greater belief amongst our squad and management to say that even if we do suffer a wobble. Uh, such as that can 10 minutes, although obviously some media outlets would have you believe that we wobbled throughout the entire game, um, that you, you'll still overcome. You'll still be able to get there. For last season, so many times, the second goal for us was absolutely critical. Um, and I'm glad to see, obviously, how quickly we've been able to get to that um, on Sunday. Uh, and it took a sublime piece of skill. Let's not mask it. Oh, yeah, a sublime piece of skill to unlock... That um, that midfield and defence, I didn't take it for there. But that for me, you could count one hand the amount of times that Alan McGregor was was legitimately troubled, and that's a, a solidity, that's a confidence, um, a little bit of swagger. Although um, I did notice that in um, the manager's post match, 
he was very quick to acknowledge and actually applaud Hibbs for coming out and having a go and being able to try and do and I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of a yeah, you, you were able to, to, to damage us last season, this season it won't be the same thing any longer. Yeah, I can't uh, look, I understand what he's doing there, but this is why I can't have a go at a Kilmarnock or an Aberdeen even it would get football stopped, but if they're going to get hammered 6-1 if they come and go toe-to-toe, yes, I can't understand why they don't. Um, if I was a fan of those clubs, then if my manager went out there, played expansively, and we got absolutely taken apart, um, I would be kind of upset with them. And you, know, you can understand why why they do that, if, if that's what's going to happen to them. Do you not think, though, Davy, that they maybe there's a sense of maybe an expectation from Hibs that you know, if they had a go at us, we could be got at. And I think that, you know, we proved last season, and, and I don't like that this isn't obviously the tactics pod, but if you haven't signed up, it's uh, one ninety nine a month, sorry for the free pitch there. But obviously, it's not the Adam Fund tactics pod, but we're talking about the spine of the team. Now, look at the spine a year ago where Joe Worrell uh, may rest in peace, uh, <laughs> along with Obi Ajaria. Now, you knew as soon as any sense of pressure either physically or mentally went on those guys they would crumble and you knew that as soon as there was a wobble that we were in real big trouble Kilmarnock away at the start of this calendar year proves it whilst I think now yesterday proved that Hibs probably didn't think we would be just as ruthless and relentless as we as we uh, were and I suspect there's a lot of teams you're rightly saying Davey going bloody hell we're glad we weren't the first team this season to go out and sort of test the water with uh, Rangers mm. because he's a say we'll just go for uh, park the bus time at Ibrox well the the thing is is I think it plays into this mentality because um, our good friend Mark at Follow Follow he sent me some stuff from the, the Hibs supporters board and there was a genuine after the match they, they were genuinely surprised by how good Rangers were and they were saying you know Rangers are actually a really good team and I think it's because of this mentality that does come from the press, and I know some people might think that, that we go on about this, but I do believe it to be factually true, that oh, Rangers, who do they think they are for even daring to assume they can challenge the mighty Celtic? And I think that for so long, teams have, I think correctly, assumed that we were part of the pack rather than uh, going for a title, which, you know, we might not win it, but we're, we're definitely aiming for that. Whereas... I think that they've quite enjoyed Rangers are in the pack. They're they're with us. They're with Aberdeen, Kelly, Hearts, Hibs. That's Rangers level currently. And look, while we were competing with them for second and even finishing third, we couldn't we couldn't really argue with that. I think that they there will be a slow realization that actually hang on, they are a really good side. And it might take a few drubbins to wake people up to this, because I do believe that they have been conditioned to think that us saying we've got good players is really just us being uh, blowhards or, or exhibiting hub- uh, hubris, which I don't believe is true. I think Rangers actually do have a good football team. Look, you don't go to Denmark and put four goals past a side who don't concede goals unless you can play a bit of football, Cammy. You don't, but then let's say let's take a breath and just remember that the the most surprising result, you know, and all of this only happened eight months ago. And that was us being able to beat Celtic in league. Then we should have beat them at Parkhead. Then we beat them quite roundly at Ibrox. And the good thing with this, and, and, and 
Although, yes, obviously, as old Rangers fans were disappointed that we weren't able to, to, to capitalise on that opportunity at the start of the year. What it's started to do is it's now started to give players the confidence and the mentality to be able to build into that. But we've went about our business very quietly. The manager, quite quite obviously, well, I say quite obviously, it's obvious to us in terms of when you see him regularly and you understand exactly what's going on, sees that there's a, there's a desire to be able to incrementally improve and drubbings, as you say, along the way are definitely going to help that. It's not in our best interest to have the media fawn over us. So it's it's handy for us to to have this, um, you, oh, yes, yeah, so you beat a team for Denmark, so what? And and undervalue that, that win. Now, true Rangers fans and anyone with, you know, IQ higher than a glass of water understands the importance of these victories and understands how relevant they are. But what's great with this is that we're doing this without it being the case that the the focus isn't back on us and people aren't paying us a lot of attention. And what I think you'll start to find is, and what certainly happened, especially, you know, on Sunday, is I think teams will underestimate us. I think teams will think that this is the same team that we played six months ago. And it's absolutely not because we've we've developed virtually in every area of the of the pitch. Um so the greater confidence that gives us if you want to to as I say, if you want to underestimate us, then you'll do so at your peril because I want to see us being able to absolutely batter teams. I want results like this. And, and again, as I say, I know that we'll come on to the, the breakdown of the game. I want players like Alfredo Morelis' attitude that comes out and says, I don't care if we've won this game comfortably. I'm not here to, to just simply kick the ball around. I'm here to score more goals. And every Rangers player should have that mentality, no matter how, how in the bag the game happens to be. Yeah, you know. Sorry, uh, go on, David. No, just going to say, guys, that you know the, the idiots and of which there are plenty in the Scottish media at the minute. And we'll have, I'm sure, a bit of a laugh about them all later on. They are useful idiots for us at the minute. I mean, I am convinced that if we win the treble, in fact, if we didn't win it, we win a domestic treble, won the Europa League, remained on beaten all season. I suspect you know Sutton, Stewart, and whatever other uh, journalist and in inverted commas is out there would would have some excuse as to why. <laughs> We did that. So, but that's good for us because ultimately at the minute, as you say, if we were starting to be talked up about potential title challengers and saying about Stephen Jarrett should be able to win this, should be able to win that, that would not be good for us because we all know as fans how high we have expectations of ourselves. So if anyone else actually joined that party, I, I'm not quite sure, just, just dampen expectations somewhat, if all members of our squad have got, you know, just the mentality yet to wear the real heaviness of the shirt when the heaviness really comes. So, you know, we are where we are, and I think we're in a very good position, and let's keep moving forward. David, I'd like you to engage smug mode for a moment, um, because when Jordan Jones arrived, and don't be fooled by the accent, folks, David is Northern Irish, um, David said to me, he's a better player than people are giving him credit for. I think he could be a success. Um, You mentioned that he's got that wee bit of like spirit or devilment, whatever you want to call it, cockiness that you need to be a winger at Rangers because it's a tough gig. And I think this week, with two superb performances, Jordan Jones really opened up a lot of people's eyes as to what he can do. Uh, I noticed yesterday, I'm sure you boys did as well, that from about 60 minutes, whenever he got the ball, there was a buzz around the stadium that hasn't been there for a long time with any player that people were excited when he got the ball, which is a wonderful thing for a winger to have. Uh, he obviously, 
he plays in the left wing, but in terms of uh, the, the, he he reminds me a lot of Keith Gillespie actually. Um, he's a good player. In, yeah. in terms of that, Devilman's uh, yeah, a good word actually for him. Like like one thing about Gillespie, no matter how many knockbacks he had, either on or off the field, he just seemed to always consistently come back. And I suppose that is the mark of a good winger where. You may have to take on a guy twice before you draw a foul and you get a book, or you might have to take him on, you know, for 60 minutes, 70 minutes. But if you continually take him on, eventually you will get a breakthrough. And that's one thing about about Jones, where he just seems to keep coming back and keep coming back. And and I suppose if you see him, like, I don't really want to get into this conversation because it, it sounds somewhat negative about him. But you know, if you do a bit of research about Jordan Jones, he, he did have a somewhat difficult career and in many ways, so far, and in many ways, Kilmarnock was was a sort of almost a bit of a redemption for him, and he and he got himself involved in a few things off the field as well. And I think that really, in a way, it's a testament to the lad, and I suppose to quote another adopted Ulster man, Ian Dye, you know, his bounce back ability. And um, I think that you'll see now that he has proven in many ways to himself that he does have the ability to play at a, at a high level uh, like ourselves. I think that he'll continue to kick on, um, and I think he'll be an integral part of uh, our season, both domestically and hopefully uh, in Europe as well. Can I tell you why I love Jordan Jones? Because if he could, he would play Celtic tomorrow. That's, <laughs> that's absolutely what I love about him. He is so entrenched in being part of a Rangers team, being part of the club. You can just tell he's oh, living. Yeah. He's he gets it. Best. He gets it. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. does. And the best thing about him is he's got that. Um, the perseverance that David's obviously mentioned, but if you, I, I genuinely believe if you could say to him, do you want to play Celtic tomorrow? He would absolutely take you on with it. He would love to do it, and that is exactly what we need. Yeah, I think it, it does come down at Ibrox a lot of time to not just ability, but attitude, and that's why we've seen arguably more talented players fail and, and arguably more limited players succeed at Ibrox because it's we can debate why but it's not going to change it's a hell of an environment to play football and the pressure is constant um, the fans are demanding you could be 3-0 up and if you misplace a pass after 60 minutes you'll know about it um, you've got to have the mentality that embraces that I don't even think can live with it I think you have to embrace that and be able to channel that and use it and, and put it into a positive and certain guys could really effectively I think that he shows the signs of that. And there will be a dip, and then you know we'll need to see how he comes through that, of course. But I, I'm excited with the possibilities, and I think that people are realising at least why he was signed, because I was worried that it would be a bit of a vicious circle with John Jones that people said, I don't know why we signed him, and then they would watch him, and if he didn't start well, they would go, ah, see, I knew it, I was right. And once you're judged at Rangers, it's really hard to shift people's opinions of you. Um, Mark Haley did um, not many others so I think that getting off to this flyer an apt word for him I think really does give him the opportunity to to now bed in and, and develop as a player a guy who's done that David over the last couple of seasons is Ryan Jack who I think in the last two games has been pretty spectacular in all honesty Yes, he can retain possession. We knew that. If anything, at times I was maybe critical because that was, you know, he would lapse into that's all he did, where he would just go back, take the ball off centre backs, and give it back. And, you know, it's nice and your pass completion stats are great, but it's not doing anything. No, nah, none of that. The last two games, uh, he is dominating midfields and in atrocious conditions yesterday. 
and previously against a really physical side on Thursday, Ryan Jack was dominant. Yeah, look, I think I, I just love Ryan Jack at the minute. I think he's just, he just is a great lad, which obviously he demonstrated on his uh, his few days break with his wife and the Dorans in Ibiza. Um, clearly would just be a good lad to have have almost as a mate. You know, uh, he's just solid as a bloke, and that is why he has then transferred that, in my view, into his uh, his, his his position now in our team. And in many ways, if you think about it, when he was at Aberdeen, and he captained Aberdeen, and he was a right pain in the arse when he played against us, but but he was he was doing for McInnes what McInnes wanted him to do, which was in many ways limited, um, basically because of McInnes' own limitations as a manager. But if you see now, Ranjak has proven his ability where he has now been able to adapt to playing under someone like Stephen Jared, who obviously was one of the best players in Ryan Jack's position or a similar position when he played. So if you see now guys who were here when Jared arrived, who are no longer here for, for various reasons, it's because they haven't been able to adapt in to what Jared uh, expected of him. And, and in many ways, and maybe in a slightly different context, Ovi Azaria, was probably almost an example of that because if you had said this day last year, who would kick on under Stephen Gerrard, Ovi Azaria or Ryan Jack? You probably would have said Ovi Azaria, wouldn't you? But oh, Ryan yeah. Jack has yeah. just uh, proven that um, you know, he sold as a rock, and I am delighted that he's uh, kicking on and proving his ability. The gaffer said as much after the match, Cammy, where he he was at pains to suggest Ryan Jack is a guy he trusts and a first name on the team sheet type player because of exactly what David said, that he gets it, he gets what he wants him to do and he's hungry, he's got that desire. And I think that you're seeing that because he isn't just doing something I, I'm critical of Scottish players for a lot and not just at Rangers, but I think that they, they get to kind of 23, 24 and they go, well, I'm as good as I'm going to be. You know, the skills that have brought me here are, are fine and they don't add layers to their game. Well, he is, because we knew he was a decent defensive midfielder. Now he's a really good defensive midfielder. But on top of that, he's now adding forward passes, quick passes, and he's becoming a much more rounded player. Yeah, he's, he's developing brilliantly. Um, it's I always have a bit of a... I suppose a little bit of a soft spot for Ryan Jack. And I, I suppose, you know, it's really around... Um, he does a lot of the difficult work and he does a lot of the, the necessary construction um, that that team requires so that when you do have, you know, 6-1 wins or, you know, if you're, if you're winning away in Europe or whatever, he'll do a lot of the legwork. He'll do a lot of the labour that's required in order to be able to, to, to see the other players, uh, you know, get the goals, being able to try and move the team forward, being able to try to... And, and listen, do you know what? Sometimes that, that, that laborious role is, is really difficult to acknowledge. It's really difficult to pick out. It's not all singing, all dancing. It's not um, going to have all the bells and whistles on with it. Fortunately, the manager, and this is maybe a little bit the midfielders club, but the manager acknowledges that. Um, and I think that that's the most important thing. And, and he certainly does. I mean, he, I mean, again, he said in his press... Uh, professor after the game that you know if um, taking away Jermaine's goals he would have given it to Ryan Jack as man of the match because he, he saw the amount of work that he had to put into it um, I also believe that he, he allows that um, the, the players playing alongside him to have a degree of, 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 of freedom a little bit more expression in terms of being able to get with the ball obviously you saw uh, what Davis was, was capable of 
um, on on Sunday. Uh, we know um, Aribo can score goals as well from um, uh, being able to get further forward in the park. Um, and Ryan Jack will will happily go about his business and be able to try and do that. So, yeah, he absolutely should get a lot of credit for that. And I'm glad to see that people are now starting to see and and again, especially you know, insight especially from guys like David, etc. That we're starting to see that development. We're starting to see what we're uh, we really got from him. He's playing now without a limitation that was given to him at Aberdeen. Aberdeen was very much um, compartmentalised within that midfield. It was yeah, stay was, in there, yeah. do your do your job. That's it. Don't breach the limits. And there's, there's every likelihood, you know, and, and I don't think it's outside the realms of imagination that he has went to Gerard or Gerard has went to him and said, I want to grow, I want to develop, I want to add more skills to my game. Where can you see that? And that's what he's worked on and, and that's what he's delivering. Um, so absolutely correct. You know, you're, you're not this 24, 25 year old player who said, right, that's me now. I'm at my peak. This is me going to be able to deliver it. No, he still wants to continue to um, to look at his other um, his other attributes and how to be able to try and enhance them. Um, other guys to to pick out from yesterday, David. I mean, the obvious one is Jermaine Defoe because that was a terrific performance. Not only the goals, which were excellent finishes, but I thought that up against uh, that Hibs back four, in a different way to what Alfie does, he he didn't give them a moment's peace. Um, he worked very hard. He closed down. Um, he he's maybe maybe. I had picked up the wrong idea that Jermaine Defoe was just a finisher. Uh, he's not. He, there's clearly a lot more to his game than that. I, I think, and, and I don't mean this as a disrespect to or to the players that he has around him now, but I think a lot of the time because you know Defoe had never really nailed on as like like a starter for for England, say, and he, all the clubs he played for, he obviously played for high quality clubs, but he never went to the kind of I suppose. Spurs was as high as he had gone in terms of maybe at the time when he was at his, his peak peak sort of would have been maybe United um or Chelsea and I suppose because of him being that level of top quality premiership player without being a real outstanding we we probably didn't realize how effective he was because of the quality around him so therefore some of the good work that he did went on notice because you only saw him banging in goals. And I don't mean it as a disrespect because he, he banged in a hell of a lot of goals. But I suspect now when we're seeing him and we're watching him every week, we're like, flip, he actually is a lot more than just a poacher who, although his first goal was a poacher's goal yesterday, he actually has so much more in his locker. And I think, obviously, having lived in the northeast of England for a while, speaking to a few of my mates who are Sunderland fans, they were saying, oh, yeah, like, like they actually went through virtually the same experience that I've just talked about there, where they thought this guy will come and he sort of poach a few goals. Whilst actually, there was so much more to his game. It was quite interesting that I, I knew this, but it was only dawned on me now. He actually played more on the right side of the three, where it was Danny Graham was kind of the yeah, the, right. yeah. the, the, the head of that arrow. So um, I don't know if Alfie likes playing with anyone else because he doesn't really like passing the ball, but. We think I, I would like to see if that would work, and I would be keen to hear your views on that as an option. I I did think um, that that might be something that we'd explore when he arrived because he'd, he'd done it so well at Sunderland. Um, in that, if you want that kind of a two position at Barcelona, where you you have a striker but you play him wider, I, I I did think that that was a possibility. But clearly, it's not something the manager wants to do um, because he's been here long enough now that we would have seen it and we haven't really seen it. They don't work as a two. Um, I don't think Alfie 
works particularly well with anyone in the two. I don't think that's his game. I don't think he enjoys it. So I don't know why the manager doesn't want to try it, but there's clearly a reason for it. Cami, um, speaking of Alfredo, uh, he had a game in 20 minutes this week where he was phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, and I'd like to probably go on record as saying that given we have now seen the window shut this week, um, in, England. Think, in England, in, in England, sorry, okay, I beg your pardon. In England, his preferred choice of destination. Um, I don't think it's 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 unfair for me to say that I'm not alone. That several of us were very concerned about his attitude and what would have happened if a move didn't materialise. And my God, is he is he proving us wrong? Um, now I know the manager alluded to that after the game in Denmark, but Sunday was really a true test of that and you just saw straight away how direct he was and, and I think probably just to touch on the point that you two guys talked about there just really briefly Alfredo Morelos and Jermaine Defoe are very good at what they do Jermaine Defoe is incredibly subtle at it Alfredo Morelos is very physical at it and what I mean by that is a general disruption of a back four defence Jermaine Defoe will glide out of position and will take players with him and he'll either um, capitalise on that himself or he'll create space for others to be able to do it Alfredo Morelos will terrorise defenders, he will move them physically out of the way if he absolutely has to but he'll constantly run it up and he'll just be an absolute pest, the two of them are very subtle weapons in their own right but it's just a little bit more obvious I think in the Morelos case to come back to, to Alfie in terms of where that is, so I, I owe him an apology because I was pissed off with him after him getting sent off at Parkhead um, I'm really starting to, to, to come back on board with him now. I think he has got a far better developed attitude. Um, touch wood, and please don't let it be temporary. I start to see a bit more maturity in how he reacts because he got a few hefty challenges in Denmark. Um, and in the build-up to his first goal on Sunday, um, he was actually clipped. I don't know if you guys had a chance to rewatch it and actually notice that, but he was actually clipped and kept going. And I think that there's probably been times where he's maybe taken a bit of a touch and then he's went over. But no, he was just so determined to run forward with the ball that he kept going with that. Um, and that's what I'm loving about him at the moment is just being able to see that. Now, he needs to make sure that's kept in check. He can't react. He can't get himself involved in nonsense. And hopefully... Um, it doesn't, you know, bite as often as he did last time. He will be provoked. I've no doubt whatsoever that managers will try to to uh, take advantage of that. Um, but already so far this season, um, you can just see him, you know, um, delivering so, so much for the team. Um, and I think what's great about Defoe's attitude was Defoe was panicking that he was going to get a hat-trick. So all of a sudden, it's <laughs> to, to cut the match ball in two. So um, I think that they've got Bizarrely as this sounds, I think they've actually got quite a good understanding and quite a good partnership on who's going to play and who's not. And there's never dummies been spat out as a result of it. Must be a hell of a thing to be 3-1 down and the guy who's just had a hat-trick against he's getting taken off and you think, oh, thank God, he's given us a hell of a day. And you look up and Alfredo Morelos is standing there with that look in his eyes that says, drop me, would you? Um, and <laughs> he he comes on and just battles you and gets two two wonderful goals. Uh, Shea Ojo completed the scoring, David, um, and had assists for the first two. 
And I noticed that Ibrox a wee bit of grumbles about him yesterday that oh he doesn't work hard enough or whatever, he's not in the game all the time. But this is something we lacked last year. And I know that a lot of people were, were upset when Daniel Kandes left, for example, but I think the gaffer might have traded in work rate for moments, you know, for game changing moments. Uh he did point out with Daniel Kandias before he left that he got a handful of assists and a few goals, but I needed double figures in both from my wide players. And you can't really argue with the results. Shea Ojo in the first half sets up the first two goals. You know, he's pivotal in that. He gets one at the end, okay, it's 6-1, doesn't really matter at that point. But still, he's, as Cammy said earlier, it's great to see that Rangers are keeping the foot in the throat right to the end. And it made me think about, you know, Daniel Kandace, you know you'll get a shift. He did very well for Rangers. He was a good signing, and I wish him nothing but the best in Turkey. Um, always be welcome back in Govan. But it may just be a different type of player that people will have to get used to. Well, I, I suppose I, I don't. It's, it's very easy to compare players, particularly when they come from the same squad. There are <laughs> loans and they're similar. But I suppose if you compare Ojo's performance yesterday, in comparison to, and I can't think of one off the top of my head, and perhaps one of the listeners can, can cite one in the comment section, but what how Ryan Kent was playing, you know, at the start of uh, this season, uh, the season last year, this time of year. And, and I suppose if you consider Ojo's performance then, when you compare it to sort of the average Daniel Kandias performance, you know, it was much, much better. And, and I suppose to refer back to the, the transfer pod that we had sort of a, a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago now, where we were actually saying, look, if you're to rank all your players from virtually keep them at all costs um, down to, look, are they dispensable? I suppose, in hindsight, DC was dis- uh, dispensable. He-, he was a great player, a great lad, great work rate and-, and-, and a solid player. But if we are to progress, if we are to kick on, I think what we've seen a glimpse of Ojo so far in comparison to having seen a couple of seasons worth of Candace, you know, if if you were to say which player will increase the likelihood of 55, I'll take a punt now and say, oh, Joe, now look, he may go home crying his lamps out the way uh, Azaria did after a couple of um, yeah, poor performances. But look, I think so far so good. And actually, I'll go far to say it, so far as good as Ryan Kent was at that time of the year, if that makes sense. So don't all jump on me and say, oh, you say that he's better than Kent. I'm saying right here, right now, I think we're content with what we've got or very happy with what we've got, I should say. Yep, um, I'd agree with that. I think uh, he's he's shaping up well. It's maybe just, as I say, about us tempering our, our expectations. Now, boys, um, at the game yesterday, it was very, very wet indeed. And it, it got me thinking about the, the wettest matches you've ever been at and uh, memorable ones, for, for good or for bad reason. I've got uh, two that I'll start us off with. And the first one for me was a bad one, which was against Celtic in 2005 at Parkhead in the League Cup when Rangers lost 2-0. You may remember it as the night Stefan Kloss came back into the side um, and made an error for for their second goal. Um, Celtic were miles better than us that night. We couldn't get near them. We never looked like winning. We went out into the rain afterwards, made to walk miles by the stewards as they make you do at, at Parkhead, to find that our car tyres had been slashed and we had to change the tyre in the pissing rain. So that was one. Got home soaked, covered in dirt and uh, oil and shit. 
the other one was a much more pleasant soaking, and that was the Scottish Cup semi-final in 1992 at Hamden. Jesus, it was wet that night, even though it was April, I think. Um, uh, March it might have been, actually. And Rangers that night, of course, went down to 10 men after just five minutes. And you're thinking, oh, Christ, here we go. David Robertson disgracefully sent off by Andrew Waddle. God, I hated that bastard. Um, but with a magnificent performance of, of sheer testosterone, uh, testicular fortitude, Rangers went on to win. Ali McCoy got that memorable goal from the pass from Stuart McCall, and what a night it was for the Bears. Cammy? Well, my one isn't um, as, as glamorous as you know going to go and watch the Rangers. Um, David, you may remember uh, a good wee while ago, I used to do data analysis for games on a, on a, like a Saturday, 3 o'clock, etc., um, so it used to be for scouting um, and also for doing data, and it was grand when you were in a, a nice stadium on a three o'clock. Uh, not a bit, not much of a problem. But one game I got assigned to in particular was uh, the glamorous tie of I think it was Clyde versus Airdrie under twenty ones, and uh, I got given my my kind of profile to go through, and it was uh, it was through at the Clyde Stadium. Um, now the Clyde Stadium, just for anyone who who hasn't been. Um, is, is fundamentally a community stadium. It, it, it leases itself out, uh, as a lot of stadiums do now, uh, for rental, but there was like kids' clubs on. So by the time I get there, I'm expecting a game, but no, all these kids' games are still going on. So I ask some, somebody involved at the club, it must have been an official or something. And he said, yeah, yeah, it's been moved to the AstroTurf Park outside. Now, this was a small problem because there was also a big, massive flood in the run-up to the stadium. So you can get an idea of how much downpour there had already been at this point. And I kind of thought, well, I'll get away with it because I'll be sitting in a stand. That won't be an issue. No, no. Um, because the game had been moved to accommodate the kiddies, the under-21 game was then held outside in a open Tough Park with no cover whatsoever. And if the rain was bad to begin with, it just got worse and worse. Everybody, to a man, just assumed that the referee was going to call it off. And obviously, he was wanting his money that, that week, so he kept <laughs> it going. So to give you an idea of what it was like, the rain was virtually sideways. Um, the computer, the little PDA thing that I use in order to be able to kind of capture all the information, gave up the ghost because it was so wet. <laughs> so I then, I, I then had to start using my headphones and my phone so that an analyst could phone me and I could verbally describe what was happening. So now people are walking by me wondering why this guy is just talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> like some massive weirdo like that throw in for team one <laughs> corner for team one like people don't understand what it is that's going on and just to make things even better the the uh, perimeter fencing, so it's waist high fencing that, that's kind of around the, the Ashraturf Park um, is maybe, I don't know five foot away from the edge of the pitch, this guy this centre half, now the other thing is, right, although we're moaning about the weather, anyone who's my age who, you know, remembers how to, like, you know, play when slide tackling was still involved in the game loves weather like this because you do some awesome slide tackling. Well, this centre-half decided to do that. And as per usual, the centre-half is trying to take out this nifty wee sand-dancing winger who's built like the side of a fiver, a pure whippet. And by the time that your man is, is already engaged in the slide tackle, this lad is off and away. And the defender actually slid, not only off the park, but through a gate in the fencing <laughs> and onto the, um, the the path leading up to the park itself. Uh... He could not have aimed it any better if he tried. Obviously, it was, he didn't even realise what was going on. 
but that's what you love is these, you know, 20 feet sliding, you know, challenges that you can try and get away with. Um, obviously, everyone's laughing at that. Now, I burst out laughing, and the guy who was based in Switzerland, I might add, was like, why are you laughing? What is going on in the game? And I'm like, oh, the centre-half slid out of the park. What does this mean? And then all of a sudden, I had to explain it to him. Um, that was really, really tough. The worst thing was getting in the car and then going home. Uh, for the next two days, my seat covers were still wet because th the water had literally just come out of my body into the seat and had just been completely absorbed like a sponge. It was horrible. I had to get towels down on it and everything. But my God, that was horrendous. My David? story, my story is not at all entertaining. In fact, it's absolutely, it's actually a pretty horrible story in many ways. Uh, we played them at um, their place in 2011 between Christmas and New Year, uh, Wednesday night. They beat us 1-0. I think it was a header from Ledley. You you, you may remember that yeah, Lee yeah, Wallace yeah. Um, Lee Wallace actually scored after about 10 minutes. I wouldn't have had any idea because we had gone... It's actually for my Christmas presents, so obviously I get the blame from all the rest <laughs> of the family. Basically went to Ibrox. Um, Nacho Nova was our guest. Got to meet him. Blue room. Great. Okay. We're all jumping in the bus. Bus is absolutely bouncing before the game. Then we leave us where it was. It was pitch dark, so I don't. I couldn't even describe where it was, but it was at least a half an hour walk. Uh, and my now wife's grandfather was with us, who um was probably more staunch than all three of us put together, and wouldn't take no for an answer. But we had to walk with him at his pace. Um, now he had bad hips at the time, still better than Kieran Tierney's, but bad all the same. <laughs> um, so we hobbled there, got into the game. Uh, after queuing. When we arrived about 20 minutes late before kickoff, queuing, um, the police then actually, in hindsight, doing a few drunk lads a favour and refusing entry, which um, I wish they'd done that with me. We then arrived, mm -hmm. we we're in the, the top tier, um, basically about four, you know, a, a spitting distance essentially from them and the very front row. Now, if you remember that night, if you're at the game, you remember TV, when I say it rained, the rain wasn't even coming sideways. It was like swirling almost within the ground. You could actually see the rain and the floodlights. Just It was horrendous. Um, if you recall, we didn't even really threaten that night. Um, no. Jake actually should have been sent off for like the best yet worst, whatever your interpretation of his move was, two-footed challenge where he's gone to do, can't remember who it was, but then has feigned injury know, himself, was... if you recall. Like. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I think it was that Israeli player. What was his name? He's at Brighton. I, I think. Oh, Kyle. No. Kyle, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, then, then obviously they hammered us, and I just remember then having to walk the whole way back. No one really spoke on the bus. We then arrive at Ibrox uh, in the pissing rain, still a lad waiting for a bus, and then Govan El uh, Emerald, some gather up, arrive, get out of the bus to sort of celebrate you know they obviously didn't have the sort of the balls to come close to us i mean you're talking women children all the rest the then this should be funny but it's not the driver then helps one of them out of the bus in a wheelchair he then <laughs> starts to kind of start doing 360s a guy pushing down the wheelchair he then basically fell out of the wheelchair <laughs> in front of us now part of 
part of me, it was the most surreal thing. I'm on the phone to 999, <laughs> just basically going in as calm a voice I can. Ibrox Stadium, Edmison Drive, <laughs> fucking get here, or something along those lines. The irony of all ironies, police arrived, basically helped the bloke back into his wheelchair, um, hauled him onto the bus, and then, um, obviously, when I remonstrated greatly, we're, we're going to arrest us for breaching the peace. Yep. So, to be fair to the club, and I have to say, and Ian Durant, they sent us free tickets for a Hibs game where we actually played really well and beat them. David Healy was still playing for us and did really look after us. But actually, on a serious point, if you recall when they won the league the year we went into, we went into administration, do you remember the storm the front of our stadium and assaulted some of our staff? Yeah. Yeah. See, it was the same mob. Oh, yeah, the, the, oh. Uh, they, they continue. If you remember last year, the Ossicek stuff, um, they were involved in that as well. Particularly unpleasant bunch of people. And that brings me on, actually, to uh, something that happened this week that I want to get your take on, guys. Um, you may have seen on Twitter yesterday, for those of you who are on social media, but it's been reported uh, in the paper since. Um, Professor Adam Tompkins is a conservative MSP. And he uh, is a Rangers fan, you know, quite openly about it. And he tweeted yesterday, great to be back at Ibrox today. Always good to see a team wearing green thumped 6-1. So, <laughs> we bit, you know, kind of triumphal as these teams won, taking the piss out of our rivals. Well, it was then jumped upon by masses and masses and masses of um, professionally unmental people, I was going to say un- unstable, unbalanced. Uh, I'll read you one here from a Michael Hassan. His team won a football match. Referencing Green brings the Catholic support of the teams he's referencing into the comments, then using thumped as dangerous as getting thumped in Glasgow can mean something else. In my mind, it's a silly, bigoted comment. <laughs> hundreds of them then posted disgusting comment from an elected politician who obviously revels in divisiveness rather than inclusivity um, hate to point out the obvious with his tweet but typically and historically both teams in Scotland who wear green have Catholic backgrounds this really is a sectarian tweet which could have real ramifications attached to it it never ceases to amaze me how they get away with it and people were um, genuinely reporting them to Police Scotland now, of course, James Dornan got involved in it because if there's a bit of uh, fuck-witted Twitterness going on, James Dornan, I think it's like a bat phone to him. What? <laughs> right, for, for in case anyone thinks, well, this is a, you're talking about politics here. We're, we're really not, right? Uh, this is not a political, uh, we're not jumping on a side here. We're not um, trying to be partisan in politics. Uh, full disclosure, David is an elected councillor for the DUP in Northern Ireland and is... I think David quite proudly right wing in your views. Would that be accurate? Certainly, certainly centre right. Right. Um, well, just, I'm... just for the record, for the time this makes the Daily Mail and it says, uh, or sorry, the, the Daily Record and it says far right. I'll just, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just close <laughs> that off now. I am left wing in my views. Been a member of the Labour Party for twenty five years, so uh, I think that that there were balanced camis in the middle, not. You know, thinking that they're all fucking idiots, I think is fair <laughs> to say. So this is not us, you know, jumping on a political strain or trying to whip anybody up. Well, not whatever you believe in is what you believe in. None of us are sitting here ready to proselytise you. That's not what this pod's about. But what I think is is interesting is that 
it shows to me what Rangers fans are up against, where people can get, you know, not ostensibly mental people can see something like that and that's the conclusion that they jump to. And they don't even get the irony of it, David, that it's them who are bigots because they hate us so much. And what they do is this cowardly thing of wrapping their own hatred by trying to say, or, or to justify their own hatred by trying to say, oh, we hate you because you're bigots. Well, firstly, there's an irony in that statement. And secondly, it isn't true. If you see something bigoted, then you're, you're right to complain about it. Someone saying my team cuffed a team, and I like that because it reminds me of cuffing our biggest rivals, is not bigoted unless you are, and let's not be coy about this, a fuckwit. Look, the, the issue is, and David, you and I have spoken to this plenty off air, where they they have such a high moral high ground uh, and such a high level of self-importance that they basically have two lists. It's basically legitimate political causes of which we will wrap ourselves in and then basically bigots. And basically, you know, if you don't come under the rent, the cause of Catalonia, Palestine, independence and whatever country they want, then basically bigot and they don't even want to engage in conversation so it's almost you say the bat phone is right i would almost sort of say it's like you know it's a it's the seagulls to the loaf of bread they don't check if it's you know wholemeal or a thick cut they just go <laughs> get stuck into it and that's almost the issue with these people now that they just see uh something that is ever so slightly different to their little nuanced version of the how the world should be or how scotland or britain or whatever should be and therefore they just go after us and as you actually rightly say and again, not the kind of then go political, but the, the reality of it is being British, Britishness, or sorry, Britishness is about celebrating our diversity, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of, it's it's the quote, um, you know, about the, the you know, the the um, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And ultimately, you know, even as you, as you kind of said, somewhat tongue in cheek, like our pod tonight highlights the differences across the range of support. And I'm not going to move into the everyone, anyone campaign, which obviously we have spoken about, we have highlighted that it's great leadership from the club and it's something we should all support but actually ironically the most narrow-minded people that i can see as someone who obviously as a season ticket ibrox but doesn't actually live physically on the, the, the mainland um is the like of dornan where he straight away and it summed up his comment where basically um he basically said something along the lines of oh i see you're going to stand in the next election to adam Tompkins." now in all reality the team that Adam Tompkins supports, even if you want to go down the line of, oh, the vast majority of people who support Rangers uh, support the union or are unionists, even you go down that line, what's the crime in supporting Rangers? And this is the problem. Is they actually try to demonise the Rangers' support and try to make us out to be some sort of Neanderthals, only driven by, and as you rightly say, David, their own bigotry and their own narrow-mindedness. I think that's exactly it, Cammy. That what frustrates me is it's if you think this about us and you clearly do, then you're taking a whole group of people, you're not treating them as individuals, and we saw that last week at Kilmarnock, the result of that, where you can demonise people because you have assigned them a viewpoint and it's a very negative viewpoint. And therefore it justifies you being able to treat them in any way that you like, and it's pretty disgraceful. It is, but you've you've seen this the, the 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 thinner end of this wedge when you saw the 
banners unfurled last week at, at Parkhead. And, and what you're starting to see now and what I've been especially conscious of is probably just uh, dip-checking their uh, social media. As Celtic fans uh, feel that when you use things like the F word to describe them, that is abhorrent that you are not allowed to do that. But when they communicate to each other, they prostituted that word so that they then feel that it's perfectly acceptable. And that, for me, is where you see the same thing when you want to go on the charge against politicians, especially in the west of Scotland, where what you're now saying is, we don't want to play by the same rules. That is the absolute ethos of any Celtic fan. That, I'll say any Celtic fan, let's go back to that, you know, a lot mental, of them, men, yeah. mental instability. You do have a lot of them um, who are who are quite sensible. I will, you know, give them that. But they don't want to play with the same rules. They 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 don't want to pretend that there aren't probably at least double figures of um, councillors or elected officials who have season tickets at Parkhead. They don't want to acknowledge that. James Dornan. Um, is a slightly different kettle of fish because everybody knows what team he supports. He um, has created um, things to to hit the Ranger support with, which is what generates our dislike of him. Because fundamentally, if you go and attack us, we're going to defend ourselves. That's quite simple. But that was when the tide started to turn for him. No one cared who he supported. Like Genuinely, no one cares. I, I, I can't stick my head in the sand and say that if you work in the higher echelons of Glasgow City Council, that if you support Celtic, that that is a crime. Because it's it's just, you know, <laughs> the laws of probability. It's going to happen, more so certainly in the Glasgow City Council. But I can accept it. I can and listen, do you know what I can accept? And the things I can't accept is where that then bleeds into uh, a biased agenda against Rangers or provocative attacks against Rangers, the club, the fans, etc., uh, and then you then take it from there. The Tompkins is is perfectly entitled to to go to a game, to to have a season ticket, whatever club he wants, to mention the fact that he's there. That's it. But what's hilarious about this is that Celtic fans are so quick to jump on and use and brand a term that they don't fully understand, and that's because they don't want to be treated the same as other people. They want a different rule book, so they'll just generate it themselves. So, yes, we can't talk about their officials who are quite openly, you know, Celtic fans, Celtic season ticket holders, etc. But as soon as one comes along and says, well, actually, I'm a Rangers fan, I enjoy doing this. Yeah, you're not allowed to tweet or do anything on social media, which indicates that. And what you've also got to remember is this is him having a laugh. See if he'd come out and said something purposely provocative or something that was over the line. I'm 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 sorry, but the three of us would sit here just now and say you overstepped the mark. And that's another area where Celtic fans are, are incapable of doing this. They they cannot see where the 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 politicians will stoke the fire, stoke the flames a little bit to be able to generate some passion or focus against a subject. And let's not forget, Tompkins is already a um, you know, a divisive figure for having the audacity to try and demand meetings with Peter Lawwell regarding um, obviously the, the Celtic Boys Club inquiries which he, he's meeting with an absolute brick wall so he is a he's got every right to do what he wants to do in the same way that James Dornan has every right what he wants to do, however if they overstep the mark they've got to be held to, to 
accountability for that. Tomkins certainly hasn't. Um, and it just it just makes you wonder what goes through the minds of these people to think of some of the replies which I've seen on that that Twitter post. I mean, it is crazy. People saying that you should step down as a result of that tweet. I know. It, it's, it, it's the insanity that we come up against in Scotland. David, just one one point, and I and I have been. This is not plugging my, my, my myself because I assume I'm actually interested to see if any uh, listener lives in, in in my district um, for the council. But in every council piece of literature I have done, either prior to being elected and since being elected, um, I'm very proud, and it uh, obviously sits in my uh, hallway. The picture of Andy Holiday just in front of me and my wife, um, just a photo of me and Andy, Andy there, um, and. Uh, I have had that picture and I've spoken to, not name dropping here, but I, I made sure that he was aware that that was going in and all the rest. And I've done that deliberately because I have been very clear about who I am when I've moved mm. into, like I'm a counsellor, I'm not saying I'm in any way of, you know, people should know me, but because because I have gone on the view of, look, you should be not only proud of the team you support, but also you fight against that narrative of, you almost would think it, it's illegal to support our club. And I think that for me, the only way, and, and you're right in saying, Cammy, is to come out fighting. It's to stand up and say, look, this is who I am. This is who I'm proud to support. This is why I support our club. And if you've got a problem with it, that's not my fault. That's not my problem. That's your issue. Um, and you can deal with that whatever way you see fit. And if you want to go on Twitter and hide behind a keyboard and say you should resign because of that, well, crack on. Um, because you're only making a fool of yourself and the cause that you propose to speak on behalf of. 100%. Okay, folks, that'll do us for this week. Um, just time to, of course, usher you over to our Patreon site. We've gone through 4,000 subscribers this week, which is remarkable. We continue to grow. And if you'd like to join the club, then please head to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where for just one ninety nine per month, you can sign up to hours and hours of wonderful Rangers content. You can also buy one of our new season ticket wallets. Uh, we've all got new season tickets. We need somewhere to put it. And uh, where better than a heart and hand season ticket wallet? You just need to visit heartandhand.co.uk, go into our shop, and it's there for just the, the sum of £5. I mean, what, what can you get for a fiver? Really, these days, nothing. Well, a heart and hand season ticket wallet. Thanks to our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and thanks to my two guests this, uh, this evening. First of all, the splendid Mr. David Graham. Cheers, David. Cheers, Cam. Cheers, listeners. It's been a pleasure. And the wonderful Mr. Cammy Bell. Thank you, boys. A pleasure as always. Uh, and David, I'm just going to listen to this back and just edit out myself and uh, Edgar talking. Just listen to your your voice. It's a pound a minute. You hope he was you hope he was only listening. All right, folks, thanks very much. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great one. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.